0: Hey everyone, it's Vanessa here. Welcome to today's episode of Working at Careers. Today's episode is going to be the second part of our Woman in STEM mini series, and today we will be joined by Anna Harley, who is currently studying her PhD in additive manufacturing. Leaving school, Anna went to study her B.I.N.G, Mechanical and Manufacturing Engineering and she has great advice for anyone who is interested in studying a STEM degree. She gives us an amazing insight into what a year looks like working in a STEM industry with her year placement and she also talks about what it's like to study her PhD. Anna is a fantastic role model for any young woman who is maybe considering studying a STEM degree and just doesn't know if it's the right one for them. So I really hope that you all enjoyed today's episode and I'll chat to you soon. Hi Anna, welcome to today's episode of Working at Careers. How are you keeping? I'm good Vanessa, how are you? And Anna, are you currently working from home or are you in the office?
1: I am, yes. So I've been out of the office since March and we're due to go back in January but I'm not too sure if we'll make it back just with how the things have developed in the city.
0: I was furloughed from March till September, and being back in the office, it's amazing just seeing everybody, it it kind of brightens your day, just chatting to people, because when you're in the house, you're just kind of sitting there just by yourself.
1: (laughs) No, I think so. I think you're right. It's tough, though, making the transition from, you know, being in an office environment to being on your own at home. Just I think the whole social aspect is quite different. It's a whole different dynamic. (laughs)
0: i think um see actually sitting at a desk and having the transition from like see even one room in the house from your office space to going down and sitting on the sofa it makes such a big difference from sitting see from even moving from the kitchen table to the sofa like it it doesn't feel like you're actually leaving work
1: no i'm sure it's a breath of fresh air um even trying to find that place you know in your own house like we've just set up a home office and making that separation from, okay, I'm no longer sitting at the dinner table. (laughs) I'm at my desk, let's do some work.
0: I'm so grateful that you decided to be part of the Women in STEM miniseries. For young women going forward, it is such a male-dominated industry. And it is amazing to see that there are so many more female role models coming forward. And I think it's amazing in this mini series, we are showing people as well, like the role models who are a similar age to them or who are literally only just graduated. And it can be them in a couple of years too.
1: Thank you so much. Um, that's really actually lovely to hear. Um, no, I do agree. I think that, you know, it's definitely male dominated, but I think it's a really exciting time now for women to jump on board and to try and break that gender barrier. There's so many companies out there that are looking to invest in women and push them on through. And, you know, there's a lot of companies even here within Northern Ireland that make women almost the face of the company, so there's so many opportunities out there, not just within engineering, but right across the, the STEM field.
0: It's so amazing to see that more women are popping up as well. <laughs> Anna, today I would love to talk to you and learn a bit more about your journey from leaving secondary school to now where you're studying your PhD.
1: Yeah, so it seems like um, forever since I left school, but um, yeah, so after after school, I immediately started my BEng, and that was a mechanical manufacturing engineering. So I studied at Ulster University at the McGee campus, and I opted for the four-year sandwich course. So that involved one year in industry, and it's within your third year of the degree that you go out into industry. So... Being from the city, you know, I'd always dreamed of doing my placement year in Seagate Technology. It was right here. And the work that they do is just so complex and it's used globally. So, you know, to have that kind of company association and the exposure of working with them, whenever a position came up, I had to apply. I was actually competing against a few of my male classmates at the time and other students from across the UK and I got the job (laughs) so you know yeah I can still remember I was so ecstatic I was so proud of myself and you know I think by completing that year in industry I gained a whole new appreciation for mathematics and the physics that were taught in prior years by putting it into action and It really gave me a better understanding and appreciation of what actually goes on within a factory. And during that year, you know, I met some incredible scientists, engineers, and technicians, and they taught me so much. So I was the mechanical and building services intern, and I really enjoyed the role. You know, it offered me the opportunity to work on a lot of projects. And over the course of the year, I got to liaise with engineers, technicians, and managed contractors. Because when you are within that facilities role, you know, you are dealing with external stakeholders like contractors. So when I was with Seagate, I worked very closely on helping the company gain ISO fifty thousand and one certification. Just to let you know what that is. Um ISO fifty thousand and one is Uh, company level certification and it's based on a standard that's published by the international organization for standardization iso and basically it requires um use of an energy management system so the whole purpose of doing it is that you're using energy more efficiently and during my time with the company they actually sent me on a training course to become a certified internal energy management system auditor Um, isn't it um you know i really i really enjoyed my time there and i genuinely felt valued so following that placement year i was actually awarded a diploma in professional practice with distinction and whenever i went back into final year i was approached and asked if i would take on a project for seagate as my final year project um and you know i really enjoyed my time there and I enjoyed the area of energy and heat transfer that I was working in. So, you know, I jumped at the opportunity. I, I had to take it. Um, the project was actually collaborative between Ulster University, Seagate Technology and the Derry City and Strabane District Council. So, you know, it was a learning curve, but it was a fantastic opportunity. Um, it was great for networking as well, you know, but um, after the four years of hard work i attained a first class honors degree and i was actually the only female in the course to achieve a first so that's something you know that i was really really proud of um i would say i, I am a bit competitive <laughs> so um you know i was i was over the moon what i think once i finished that bachelor's you know I knew I wanted to educate myself further, so it was either a toss up between a master's um, or a PhD, and you know they are quite different—different um, different time lengths, different in intensity wise—and you know there's a there's a whole different level whenever you come out of a master's and a PhD. Um, so I had actually applied to do a master's at Queens, and in the meantime, a post was advertised. For an additive manufacturing PhD. Um, so there was one in McGee, and there was one in Jordanstown. And this was like weeks prior to me starting the master's. And um, So I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a pump at this. And I actually applied for both PhDs. It was a lot of work putting together the two research proposals. Um, although they were both in the area of additive manufacturing, One focused on metal and the other focused on polymers, just plastics. So it actually turned out that I was given an injury for both. I attended both injuries and I was actually offered both positions. So I I couldn't believe, you know, what was, you know, what options were on the table for me. There was two PhDs and a master's. And although the master's was, was in mechanical engineering with management, you know, I was really interested in that line of things. I still am because I would love to end up down the route of management. Um, I just couldn't pass up the opportunity to do a PhD. So then I was left with, okay, well I have two here to choose from, but what am I gonna go for? And I decided to opt for the PhD in metal additive manufacturing. So here I am now. Um, I am a member of the research group in WCam, which is the Northwest Center for Advanced Manufacturing. And I'm in my final year of research. I'll tell you a bit about NWCAM. So it's a trans-regional centre for the research and development of innovative solutions and funded by the EU's Interreg VA programmes. So NWCAM actually links the academic capabilities of Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland and the West Coast of Scotland to develop and deliver. In partnership now with industry partners, we have 15 world-leading research projects, and it's all within the life and health science sector. So um, the overall kind of areas that NWCAM looks at are nanomanufacturing, additive manufacturing, advanced polymer products, and sustainable manufacturing. So my own research focuses on the development of process simulation models for metal additive manufacturing. So additive manufacturing, I've name dropped it here a few times, is more commonly known as 3D printing. So it's, you know, it's new, it's disruptive. And to be honest, I feel really fortunate to be part of something so fresh and to have the opportunity to add novelty to the field. So since starting my PhD, you know, I've traveled to Cambridge, Stockholm, Glasgow, Dublin, Belfast for training courses, conferences and research meetings. And, you know, I look back and I wonder like how quickly time's passed, how much life has changed and how I've grown as an individual, a professional and an an academic. And, you know, it's the toughest thing that I've done to date, but I really do enjoy it. And even, you know, when you are having a tough day and you think you've answered one question, but really you've got a can of worms and you have 10 more and the work starts snowballing, you know, you still love it because there's that whole sense of, well, I'm doing something new here and bringing something new to the table.
0: It's such a challenging thing that you're doing too. Not a lot of people actually do a phd and like the phd is such a big chunk of your life as well so you need to really really love what you're doing to do it
1: it is but you know it's something um i attended a training course recently that was um put on by actually our innovation brokers catalyst and you know it really opened my eyes to okay well i'm rambling a bit here but as much as i love additive manufacturing there's so many new opportunities for you once you have a PhD and, you know, a lot of people go into high um, civil service jobs, people move into industry, people move into consultancy work, people move into management, you know, there's just so many doors opening for you and I think when you have done so much work in one area, it almost becomes second nature to you and then sometimes you can feel like imposter syndrome kicks in and what you know what's second nature to you and you think oh well this is just really common you know everybody does this it's actually you know you are really an expert in it you just don't realize it because it is so close to you Does that makes sense it's just
0: something you're you're so passionate about and it's like your baby
1: <laughs> it is uh-huh
0: within your career you do a lot of research what would you do on a day-to-day basis within your role? So
1: this has actually really changed drastically since the pandemic. Um, And, you know, being a mum and working from home, it definitely has its challenges. And you do end up working the strangest hours to get things done. But, you know, that aside, I spend, I would say, all my time on my computer. And daily, I work across different software platforms. What I am doing is day-to-day building computational models on a software package called ComSol Multiphysics and running simulations based around additive manufacturing. And then from there, you know, you're pulling the data from ComSol, you're cleaning it, and then you're importing it to another software package called MATLAB and you're trying to get, you know, graphs that are meaningful and then you're analyzing that data and you're developing results and you're trying to say, Okay, well, you know, what is this actually telling me? At the minute, I'm working on a new paper, and ideally, you know, I would like my doctoral thesis to be produced using my publications as different chapters. But um, you know, another part of this PhD that's it's really exciting is that I get to be a postgraduate teaching assistant and that involves demonstrating either in a lab or a tutorial setting and takes up about 6 hours a week you know it's it's an amazing opportunity to meet the new students and to practice the art of educating passing on information and you know really helping students develop both academically and personally because you know it's it's completely different now online to what it would have been in person over the last um you know 2 years and where you're meeting someone, you know, face to face and you know, okay, they're a little bit shy or they're a little bit more reserved or someone's, you know, a bit louder and you're just trying to deal with all the different personalities. It's a lot harder online um, and, you know, you're trying to maintain a level of control and trying to interact with people as well. It's, it's hard to find the balance, but I think it's the way things are going.
0: By the sounds of it you are getting so much experience in so many new like different angles of your job so after your PhD you can you're getting experience in teaching if you wanted to be a teacher or you could go down the rule of just research or like you're kind of getting experience in everything which is ideal.
1: It is Um, you know I never ever anticipated that any of this would leave me with so many opportunities i think i just i just done it because i wanted to educate myself further you know um, i wanted to learn more i wasn't ready to just give up education but yeah like as you say you know it's opened so many doors it's not even just nationally Uh, it's opened international doors as well you know i think it really does um it really sets you apart
0: from your own experiences throughout your A-levels and university and now doing your PhD, like, say for any young woman or, or men out there as well who are thinking about going towards, like, a STEM subject, what advice would you have for them from, from your own experience? Especially, there's so many different branches of STEM as well. What advice would you have for them choosing the one that's right for them too?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think I think at times engineering and research can be viewed as an ivory tower. And you know quite the contrary. Engineering involves everyone, and it influences all of our lives. Um, be it through a surgical procedure, using your skincare and makeup products, or enjoying the latest technological gadgets. I think it's really important to always encourage wonder and curiosity because curiosity is at the heart of all research and innovation. And, you know, what can be more wonderful than making a difference to the world? I think there's actually a really, really powerful quote, and it's by an Austrian neurologist and psychiatrist who survived the Holocaust, Viktor Frankl. And he had said that between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. You know, my final a bit of advice would be, an investment in knowledge is going to pay the best interest and i think you need to discover what you're passionate about ask questions remain humble and be willing to grow
0: i think that's really good advice especially um willing to grow as well because from school you're you're taught a syllabus and then it's see when you go to university it's like the real world then where it's self learning and you're learning so much more in depth and see instead of doing like Look, as you, you did um, maths, business and technology, it's like you're not doing three subjects in one, you're just focusing on something that you really love as well, which is so exciting to me. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think,
1: you know, as you do progress on, like for people that are maybe in a bachelor's or in a master's at the minute, you're thinking about taking that next academic jump or even trying to teach yourself a new skill, like be it, I don't know, knitting or a new programming language or something, you know, it takes... Um, it takes up so much time and so much independent learning, but become, you know, find out what, what you are passionate about. Um, I think that's, you know, that started really early on for me. I'd say I was maybe um, third year or year 10 in school when I, you know, I really recognized what I was interested in, what subjects really spoke to me. You know, ask the questions speak to people in that industry speak to your teachers you know ask them why why did they do teaching or you know do they wish they went on a different route yeah i mean you know there's endless opportunities out there now to learn there's so many different platforms to learn on and i think although i went the conventional traditional kind of route you don't have to you know there's there's so many other means and ways of becoming um an engineer or whatever other profession you want to go into I mean I come from quite a large family for the 21st century there's eight kids in my family and most of us are engineers we don't all do the same type of engineering there's mechanical there's and there's chemical there's civil and you know they're all very different this is it like there's so many opportunities out there you just need to go and do the research and figure out what speaks to you
0: I think as well with the power of having the computer or your phone in front of you as well, like it literally is just searching and even just searching into Google, like engineering opportunities near me or engineering internships. Like there, there is so much out there. It's literally just just finding, just finding the one that's right for you is is right.
1: There is yeah, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of grants as well at the minute. You know, for people that are thinking about going into it, so SSC Electricity offer a grant for students I think you know if you look up places like the IMEC so that's the Institute of Mechanical Engineers and they always have grants and funding and scholarships and you know for people that are thinking about doing a master's um, there's a an IMEC scholarship for that and basically they cover your fees and you know maybe that's Something someone's interested in, and there's actually a lot of courses now too, and I think they're called conversion courses. I'm not entirely sure. So, um, basically, say you you have a degree in anything. I think you just need a, a bachelor's level degree. You can do a conversion course, and you can study. I think it's typically like computer science or IT. Um, and you know, there's no reason why. If you are not eligible for funding for a second master's, say you already have a master's or, you know, you want to go and do a different master's, there's no reason why you can't go and apply for these scholarships or, you know, chase up a bit of funding from somewhere. Um, I think as well, you know, a lot of people out there, I witnessed it in Seagate Technology that people that were, you know, technicians, the company actually paid for them to go and do their degree. And, you know, they now have a bachelor's in in engineering and that automatically just takes them up to a new pay rank. So yeah, there's, you know, there's so many options out there. People as well, you know, that are are considering a PhD. PhDs are really, really um, competitive, you know, no doubt about it. Um, There's specific PhDs for UK students. And then there's international students. And I think that's the same, you know, when you start looking abroad, because um I actually have had people message me on LinkedIn asking, is there any positions at your local university? And like, you know, no with no at the minute, but you can check jobs.ac.uk or keep an eye on the university's website. Um they are really competitive they do take a lot of work but they are a scholarship as well and you know although I did my PhD through university there's a thing called an NGD and you actually do your doctorate with a company now that that to me sounds incredibly interesting and part of me you know would love to have done that uh, but I didn't know it was the thing until I'd actually started my PhD but yeah jobs.ac.uk is a really good
0: one if you're looking to pursue a PhD. Well, that's fantastic. That's so such a range of opportunities that people can pick up on through you. So that's amazing for sharing. And for yourself now, what what do you think your plans are going to be now whenever you finish your PhD? Uh, well, that's, uh, that's what I'm really trying
1: to figure out um, at the minute. But I think today anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, I would love to take up a research and development role within industry. I always set myself goals and to be honest I believe it's the secret to success. You know, it keeps you focused and you know, to date this year, although it's been a strange year, I've still managed to achieve all my goals so far. I think something, you know, that I've always kind of had in my head is I'd love to be in a management position by the time that I'm 30. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um I always like to toy with the idea of maybe moving away, maybe moving to Germany or moving to England, and you know who knows. Um, We just have to wait and see.
0: (laughs) Definitely, there's so many opportunities out there. Just have to wait till this all blows over, and then you can grab them all. (laughs) Well, this is it, and I actually read an, an article
1: yesterday. And I think this is my own bit of advice, I guess, for people that are maybe in a PhD or even maybe people that are in master's. So for me, I am going to have to make two separate CVs and that's going to be one, uh, an academic CV and then a non-academic CV because they're completely different. Um, I think, you know, when you go down the route of academia, they're more interested in well, what you know, what subjects have you been teaching? Um, what did you do in those lab settings, tutorial settings? You know, what papers have you published? What conferences have you attended? Whereas, if you go down the route of industry or management, or you know, you just want to completely change altogether, you're really trying to sell your skill set a bit more that you've developed during your PhD. You know, you're trying to. You're trying to put it across in a way where, okay, like I've spent three years here. I've undertaken a massive project. I've looked at all the information across the board and I've been able to analyze it and determine that X, Y, and Z are the gaps that need pursued. And here's how I've went and done it. I also took a class. I managed people. Um, I passed on information. You know, it's a completely different way of thinking between industry and academia and yeah i mean we're just going to have to wait and see what happens but i think it's so important now especially with the pandemic that you know you don't you can't just wait around for opportunities um opportunities don't just come to you i'm thinking back to the time that i applied for the phd you know i i thought okay well yeah let's let's apply for it and that's really you know where i am at now i'm looking at jobs and although you know it's imposter syndrome is a real thing at times you can really doubt yourself and think you know should I should I be applying for that but anything you know that I'm interested in now I've told myself I'm gonna apply for that um and it's just you know you have to figure out your own value proposition and you have to figure out well what can I bring to the table what's unique about me and everyone has something unique about them everyone has unique experiences and you know. I attended a training course recently as well, and the guy gave a really good bit of information and good bit of advice, let's say. So for those of you that are, you know, maybe thinking of finishing up your bachelor's or your master's and you are trying to apply for positions, the advice was whenever you go to an interview and you're asked, you know, tell us about a time you you managed a project or tell us about a time that you, you helped someone or you demonstrated X, Y, and Z skills. Do not keep giving examples from your time at university. You know, you want to show, bring maybe a time that, I don't know, you know, you play a team, you play a team sport, bring that into how you manage a team. You know, maybe you've been working on, you know, the likes of your podcast here. This is a project. Um, People have their own little niches and You know, you want to show yourself off as a person. You're not a robot that your life revolves around being an academic. I mean, I hope I haven't came across that way. But, um, you know, you do you want to show the different sides of yourself and that you are an all rounded person and that you can communicate and that you can work with people. You just need to sell yourself and just be really transparent and be really honest, because, you know, I think the minute that, that you start trying to put on let's say a different mask or you know you start just trying to sell yourself as an academic you become slightly less desirable perhaps for a job because you do have to work with people at the end of the day and everything is not all about textbooks and data and how many papers you've produced. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Thanks so much Vanessa I'm I'm scared more than anything (laughs) trying to figure out the next move but um For sure like you know it's time now to put the work in to see what's going to happen six seven months down the line.
0: Anna thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to talk to us today. I know that so many people are definitely going to learn learn a lot about their STEM journeys through this. Thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Thanks so much Vanessa and honestly you know what you're doing here is priceless. You're really really opening up a whole new way of thinking for people and you know it's it's a niche for sure no one else is doing this and hats off to you
0: thank you bye say okay, bye Thank you all so much for joining me and Anna in today's episode of Working in a Careers. Next week, I am going to be joined by the amazing team from Squint Creative who are a media agency. All three of the team members have had very different careers and each one of them has specialized in a different form of media in university. This is a great episode for anyone who is considering studying graphic design, marketing, videography or who has even graduated and wants to start their own agency. I really hope that you'll join me and the guys from squint next week for another episode of Work in a Careers. Bye!